we're gonna, we're gonna have donuts again, so don't you worry. Um, today we're picking up uh, in John 20, chapter 21 as part two of last week's message. And as we move through Eastertide, which Sarah mentioned, this Eastertide is the overflow or the ripple effect of Easter Sunday and the resurrection of Jesus. And we're teaching through the appearances of Jesus to his disciples post-resurrection. And during Eastertide, we intentionally practice and we wonder what it looks like to live as people who are deeply formed by the hope and resurrection of Jesus. Questions like how that might affect your day. How might that affect your time? How might that affect your resources? Or how might that affect relationships? And we allow the beauty of the church calendar that we use over the year to remind us of who God is. And then we are reminded what time it is that regardless of our current circumstances that we're in, because those change, we're reminded to let the truth of a risen Jesus inform and infect everyday life. So this marks the fourth appearance of Jesus um, as we open up in chapter 21. Um, but I need to rewind a little bit uh, so we can like kind of seamlessly continue the story. So we know that they're still at the lake. We know that Jesus has called them friends. And they've pulled this miraculous catch of fish thanks to Jesus' guidance and direction of telling him to throw it on the other side of the boat. And now he has just cooked him breakfast. I mean, <laughs> who does not love post-resurrection Jesus? <clears throat> and I, this got me thinking that a lot of cool things happen at the lake. And Dave mentioned last week that this is a very Minnesota way for Jesus to show up. But I, it reminded me of one of my favorite videos that I have of me at the lake. And I thought just, I mean, it really is just for fun, but I thought I would share it with you since we're by the water. And I just want you to get like into the story. So here's the video. Oh. <laughs> oh man. I actually I know I actually ended up on America's Funniest Home Videos for that one. Just their little Facebook reel, but um I know which parts you 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 laughed at loud, the, those the screeching parts. Um but just I mean that one's that one's just for fun. So let's pray as we enter into the text. God, thank you um, again for this just ability to slide between joy and reality and, and just life that we all hold inside of us and outside of us. Thank you for this ability. And we ask that you would reveal to us through the text whatever it is that you want to show us that you would lead us in ways that we do not know and that you would encourage and bring hope and joy to our hearts in ways and parts of our hearts that we don't even know need it. And we ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you didn't think I could do a hard turn between a America's Funniest Home Videos and a prayer, did you? <laughs> 
Okay, so if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to John 21. And now we, we're moving to the second part, verses 15 through 25. So you can follow along in your Bibles or the text will be on the screen. And I'm gonna read through the whole thing. It's a little long, but then I'm gonna break up the text into two very distinct parts. So John 21, 15 through 25. And feel free to get comfortable as you listen. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that this testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. So in this first section, in um, verses 15 through 17, we have this conversation between Jesus and Peter after breakfast. And Jesus essentially asks him the same three questions three times. And it has this pattern. Jesus questions Peter's love for him, Peter affirms his love for Jesus, and then Jesus gives him the charge to feed or care for his sheep. And as we read in the gospel accounts of the life of Jesus, Peter is by far the most mentioned disciple, and he is right around the corner of nearly everything. But after he denies Jesus, that he, that he knows Jesus three times, he sort of goes missing in the gospel. He isn't at the cross for Jesus' final words. He isn't there when they take Jesus' body down from the cross. He isn't there when they prepare his body for burial. And he isn't initially at the tomb. And this is worth taking note of because without without question, the amount of overwhelming grief, shame, regret, and fear that Peter would have felt in abandoning Jesus' moments, Jesus in his last moments, led to him excluding himself. But in Mark chapter 16, in in Mark's gospel, um, in his resurrection account, There's a man in a white robe inside the otherwise empty tomb that says to the women, now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, 
that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there and just as he told you before he died. <clears throat> he tells, tells, tell Jesus' disciples, including Peter, he singles him out and he makes sure that Peter knows that he is still included as part of his family, even, if, even though Peter excluded himself, he makes it clear. Make sure you tell the disciples and include Peter. The first question that Jesus asks here is, do you love me more than these? So what do you suppose, this is gonna be a question back to you, what do you suppose Jesus is referring to when he says these? So I'm gonna, we're gonna have a little bit of fun. Part of um, the joy and fun and beauty of biblical interpretation is that there are really different points of view. And when I study, I typically read from several different commentaries, but even then there are plenty of things that these commentaries don't even agree on and things that have multiple possibilities. So we'll have fun together with a little multiple choice pop quiz. All right, are you ready? Okay, so before we get, before I say this, this is why I think it's important, is because you, you must have humility in interpreting text. And every answer is not possible. Sometimes based on the author intent or cultural context, we, we need to do some studying. And because, because we're not... Um, from the culture in which this book was written, we don't always pick up on the nuances or the historical styles of communication. So whenever any of us teachers approach a text, we approach it with humility, and then we start to study, and then we dive in. So here, we'll have a little fun with the pop quiz. Is the, did the pop quiz slide come up? Nice, okay. Okay, so question for the group. For the family, who or what are these? And what is Jesus asking when he's asking this first question? Is it A, do you love me more in quantity than any of these disciples? Is it B, do you love me more, do you love me more than you love this group of disciples around you? C, do you love me more than fish? <laughs> or D, do you love me more than anything? Okay, by a raise of hands, A. Okay, B. Okay, C. Okay, D. Oh, oh great, okay. Um, okay, so honestly, I don't actually think there is a wrong answer to the, any of these. And like C, I would say, is maybe on the bubble. Um, but I, I, actually, <laughs> I actually think that you could, could argue a case that Peter's returning to an old way of living. So, but honestly, I chose to lean into option A, which almost none of you picked, which is, that is just... So great, and I'm gonna tell you why I went this direction that literally no one else in this room, which I am a little bit, uh, see this is where the humility comes out like, well, <laughs> TBD. 
Okay, but this is, this is why I went in this direction. This is kind of the joy of interpreting text, is that there are different, there are different ways to see it, but I was reminded, I went with A, do you love me more in quantity than these disciples? Because I was reminded um, of Mark 14 where Jesus predict, predicts Peter's denial. And he says, you will all fall away, Jesus told him, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. And Peter declared, even if everybody falls away, I, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Jesus sets this stage and asks him this first question. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And this would have reminded Peter of the words he spoke here in Mark 16 of his pride that even if all fall away, he absolutely will not. Do you love me more than these? That his love was so strong and greater than all of the other, all of the other disciples that were sitting around him. And Jesus responds so clearly that Instead of following Jesus to the end and dying alongside him, Peter was actually gonna betray him and disown him. And the kind of miraculous catch that we talked about last week would have reminded Peter of the first time that he met Jesus and decided to leave everything. This account is so parallel to Luke 3. Jesus even calls him Simon, son of John, which was the first name that he used when he met Peter. And as they gathered around the charcoal fire for breakfast, Peter would have remembered that night as Jesus was awaiting trial where he gathered around the charcoal fire and betrayed Jesus and wept. And we see Jesus setting up this entire environment to the very tiniest detail. And we see Jesus lean in, I think, in an incredibly thoughtful and intentional and really unique way for Peter to actually experience the depth and the breadth of love. And you see what happens when humanity and Jesus collide headfirst into one another. The title at the top of my text in my Bible says that Jesus reinstates Peter, which is fine. I'm, I'm down for that. But I don't think it captures very well the whole story. Because this is not just a reinstatement of Peter, Jesus is also confronting these really significant moments in Peter's life. And by the third time Jesus asks Peter if he loves him, he is at the point of hurt and offense. And Jesus gives Peter this space for his feelings, his confession, his humility, and Jesus allows this failure to become part of Peter's teacher. As I was studying, I felt like this is such an honest and painful moment between these two. Like I, I almost wanted to look away because it felt so intimate. But then I was like, no, don't look away. This is, Jesus is not doing this in a private room off to the side. This is on a public beach. Jesus is loving him like this in front of his friends and it's also recorded in the best-selling book in history. <laughs> so we don't look away on purpose. 
This is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls cheap grace. It's when we move on too quickly from a place like this and we preach the joy and forgiveness without the repentance, communion without confession, grace without the cross, and grace without the living and resurrected Jesus. And in his hurt and offense, Peter says, I mean, clearly he knows everything. He set this whole environment up. Peter says, you know everything and you know that I love you. And each time after Peter's response, Jesus has some iteration of feed my sheep or feed my lambs. If you love me, feed my sheep. And in studying, I was convinced that this was, we are not watching a succession of a new shepherd or that Peter is assuming his pastoral role or apostolic commission in this moment. This is not Jesus handing over all the shepherding keys to Peter. But this is way more relational than it is transactional. And this is what it looks like to receive the love of Jesus, to love him back, and to give it away. You feed his sheep. And I think that this is true not just for Peter, but for all of us who follow Jesus. Love for Jesus looks like caring for and feeding his sheep. He's reminding Peter and the other disciples who are listening in to keep the command that he gave him just a few chapters earlier in John 13. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And we are formed by the resurrection of Jesus by paying attention to and living out this command to love one another, which is so much easier said than done. But that is really the simplicity of the gospel. And sometimes Jesus so generously reduces this thing down to something small like, do you love me? Feed my sheep. So let's start the second section. We begin in verse 18. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the type of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. John uses this literary saying, very truly, I tell you, throughout the gospel to stress importance, like Mark used the word immediately. John uses this phrase like this to get Jesus' point across and to set this apart as a new teaching, the prediction of Peter's death. And it takes this form of a short parable. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, and it's matched by the exact opposite of when you grow old, someone else will dress you and take you to where you don't wanna go. And I found this to be really profound because as, as I live longer, I'm 42, I'm like halfway. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe you have experienced yourself regardless of your age that when you, there was a time in your life where you were young and free and you went where you want and you did what you want. But then there becomes a time and by circumstances or by life stage or whatever it is where you mature and you grow older and life changes. And it doesn't look like how you pictured it. 
and it, you aren't going where you wanna go and you're being led to a place where you actually never thought your life would end up and what you, you never thought that that is, it's not where you wanted to go for sure. In a few chapters, we're back to John 13. Here's what Peter says at the Last Supper. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now but you will follow later. And Peter asked, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life. And Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? And here at the very end of the Gospel of John, we've arrived at that moment, the later that Jesus was referring to. In just a few chapters earlier, Peter could not follow at that point but he would follow later and he invites Peter into what it will look like for him to lay down his life in love and to follow him. Jesus glorified God through his death and now Peter will share in that same work. Verse 20. So Peter turns and sees the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This is the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper And when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would die. But, and John makes this very clear, but Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? the words out of Jesus' mouth, follow me, are barely off his lips before Peter turns around and looks at the disciple that was following and says, well, yeah, but what about, what about that guy? Which is, this is, I spoke like a month ago and I gave my whole like spiel of why I love Peter more than like my favorite Bible character person, Um, but I love Peter because I think he is one of the greatest examples of what it looks like to be human and follow Jesus, because I'm pretty sure that I would do the same thing, and maybe you would too, to compare, to look at our life and to look at someone else's life and wish that we had what they had especially if it appears easier or better. And I love Jesus' answer, and it's so true. He says, what is that to you? What is that to you? You follow me. And John's fate was not of Peter's concern. Peter was to follow Jesus. And I think... I'm getting a little like emotional about this because it, it is something that I deeply believe. We have such a high propensity to compare ourselves to other people. And it can have really significant effects on our ability to be present and available to the life that we have. Especially when you're comparing or wishing that you had something different 
or better or easier or more, whatever it is. When we look across the road at our neighbor, when we scroll on socials, or while we're out with a friend or we see a stranger and we wish we had what they had, I, I hope, this was my prayer for this message, I hope that we soak in Jesus' answer to Peter. Forget about it. What is that to you? You must follow me with the life that I have given you. Within a year or two before Peter died, he wrote 1 Peter, which is one of his letters. And I think his words are so beautiful, especially as it relates to him working out this call to follow Jesus in this conversation that he had with Jesus on the beach decades earlier. It's 1 Peter 5, 2. It says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. So whoever is in your circle of influence or within the proximity of your care, whether it's kids or aging parents or coworkers or neighbors or family, we are called to feed those sheep. And not because we must, but because we are willing willing to follow Jesus, willing to love, whether you know how to do this well or not, your willingness to lean into the call that God has on your life and the life that you actually have and to feed the sheep, whatever that, whoever that is under your care, is what love looks like. And thank you, Jesus, that you made it so practical for us. The very last words of the Gospel of John paint for us a humility that I I don't want us to miss as we close here. It says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would have not have room for the books that would be written. And if your mind goes to like bookcase after bookcase from like the ground to the sky and like one of those cool ladders that you have to like slide through just to get to all the books. That is exactly what John wants you to feel here at the end of his gospel. And if this piques your curiosity and you would love to get your hands on these stories, like what else did Jesus say? I want want to read more about who he is. This is exactly what John wants you to feel as he closes out his gospel. He uses here a hyperbole, and it's a deliberate exaggeration for dramatic effect. And John, in his last words, kicks open this door in this feeling that there is more, not just a little bit, but that the whole world could not contain. And he shows his humility as an author, too, that even, even in all the detail that he has recorded, he hasn't even scratched the surface of who Jesus is. And the simplicity of the kingdom of God is on full display as Jesus just pursues and includes Peter, even though he excludes himself. And he cooks for him and the other disciples. And he reminds him of who he is. He's a flawed and faithful follower of Jesus.
And he reminds them that his life and all of our lives are to be marked by a love for God and a love for others. Do you love me? You know I love you. Feed my sheep. This is, uh, again, this simplicity is really astonishing and this is a practice, if you've heard us talk about this over the last few months, a seasonal practice that we are entering into or we've been talking about is this idea that sometimes life gets really complicated. And sometimes we can even make it more complicated than it really needs to be. So we take time with intention to examine areas of our own life where we have become overly attached or overly entangled. And in the presence of Jesus, that is ready, readily available to us at all times, we can ask Jesus to show us those areas of life that we are in need of becoming more simplified because the load has gotten too heavy. And that is not what Jesus intended for us. So we can ask these questions in God's presence. What do I need to let go of? Do you love me? You know I love you. Feed my sheep. This kingdom of God is simple. It's very complex, but it is very simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. And I'm gonna invite the worship team up here. And as we end, um, I actually really love that we end our services, end our gatherings with a response. Where you have a chance to sing out Maybe what you've, what you've got going on here, there's, just, there's a, an opportunity for you to respond to the presence of God. And as we sing together, the words of this song start out, daily, daily, I surrender. Grace for today is all that I need. And following Jesus is totally a lifelong journey, this marathon, but it's also this like just daily letting go of trusting and following and when we are tempted to turn, as Peter did, I pray that you remember Jesus' words. What is that to you? You must follow me and trust that you will be led by a good shepherd who is very aware of his sheep and takes great care in each one. And may we be people who formed by the resurrection of Jesus embrace the lives that we have been given, follow Jesus in love. Not because we must, but because we are willing. Why don't we stand together as we sing?